I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I am Jules Holland. And I am Jim Meyer. Join us. For Jules and Jim's Joy Joyride. Yes, Joyride. Motoring memories. Train travel trips. Things on boats. Air crashes. <laughs> Barrows and cycling moments. Sex on the back seat of a Datsun. Our greatest racing carist. Our greatest racing carist. I wrote this, and I'm not quite sure about whether that's correct. Our greatest racing carist is driven so fast, Jules and I put together can't compete with his 100 miles per hour. Now, Damon, I think that's probably the best introduction you've ever had in your life. Oh, by a by, by long shot. It's, it's a bit... I'm not, I'm not sure I can accept the greatest racing carist title yet. I mean, there are a few other contenders. Do you reckon? Yes. I'd stick with it if I Yes, was I'd stick with it. If, 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 if Jim's giving it to you, I'd just accept it. I mean, I suppose the thing is that you're, uh, that you're one of the best loved, world champion and one of the best loved as well. That's the other thing, you know. I'll take that. I mean, I'm 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 not sure how you quantify it, but I um I'm I've always been well received, and I'm grateful for that. I mean, they they could throw rotten tomatoes. There are a couple of times when it went a bit wrong, and I wasn't very popular. Well, we forget about those moments, don't we? Isn't that the natural thing to do? I think you're probably the best. Although I'm looking behind you, there's like lots of photographs, and there's your dad there. I see. I used to have a a poster of your dad. And Jim Clark on my bedroom wall when I was a kid. What did you have? Who did you have on your wall? Let me guess. Mark Boland? No, you see, Mark Boland, I, I took a look at Mark Boland and I, and I have to say, I, I thought, why is he wearing makeup? And it was a bit, I was a bit freaked out by that. What do you, what do you thought it was a bit girly? Well, it was a bit girly, you know, and it, it, it and it's, I like the music, but I kind of went for the more. Um, sort of well-established machismo types. <laughs> like Black Sabbath. Yeah, Led Zeppelin. And people who, yeah. there was no doubt about their identity. I think there's, there's room for everyone, you know. I actually remember going to school with bits of glitter on my cheek, like Mark Boland. Me and my friend walked to school and said, let's get a group together. We're going to call ourselves the boys. Uh, you know, because that, that was yeah. a bit, you know, it was kind of machis- machi- machismo, machismo and glam. Yes. 
And what happened? Did the boys No, get nothing no. ever happened of it. You no, know, we, we, got on, we were told to take the glitter off our cheeks by our parents <laughs> and never speak of the matter again. <laughs> but actually, Jim's got a point there. I mean, when he's talking about who, you know, you are who's on your wall sort of thing, or certainly at that age. So who, who did you have as a poster of on, on your wall? Well, I kind of, um, because I think racing drivers were around me when I was growing up, I, I was, and my dad was one. I didn't think of them as anything exceptional. Um, you know, they were my dad's mate. So Jim Clark was my dad's mate. Um, it was obviously quite serious because I, I, I was, I remember when he got killed. So uh, I knew that it was quite a serious life that my dad led. But once I was about 11 or t- about 11 years old, I discovered motorbikes. And then I discovered that there were these things called motorcycle races. And so <clears throat> I pretty quickly had pictures of guys who motocrossed, um, I particularly like the the pictures of guys motocrossing in California because it, 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 the English guys, they kind of went round in on motorbikes that got buried in mud and stuff. But the Californian guys, they all looked really smart and they were drifting their bikes in the dirt and the dust and stuff. And then um, I followed people like, you know, Barry Sheen and Giacomo Agostini. I, yes. rode, I rode on Barry Sheen's bike because uh, I did a doc- documentary about him, and it was insured for 15 million, and I think I was insured for less than a million. So, it, it, <laughs> What's the most valuable thing here in order of well, yeah, insurance? Uh, it, it, You're the bottom of the list. Yeah, I was less, much less... You're quantified in, in medical treatment, though, aren't you? You're not, you're not kind of quantified in resale value. No. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tell you what, now we're on motorcycles and motorcycling heroes. I beat Kevin Schwantz in a race once. Do you believe that? No. Well, I'm telling you, it's absolutely true. Let me say this, though. It wasn't on motorcycles. It was on milk floats <laughs> around a small circuit at Donington. This is the, one of the early electric vehicles, then? The milk float, Yeah. And, and you like you like a light commercial. So I do. I love a light commercial yeah. and a milk float. Yeah, you don't see them. They're not around anymore, are they? No. I hear a, a man coming around. He, he comes around delivering milk in a BMW. He gets it out of his boot. <laughs> he comes past our house at about four in the morning. But, you know, the, the rattle of a, a milk float is a great thing. Mm, the wine. A bit confusing. Why are they called a float? Quite, because yes. they gently float through the streets silently. Yes. Like a whisper. And you can make a kind of um, a, co- a kind of root beer float or something, kind of using ice cream. But so when you so so David, going back to your motor, so you were looking at the motorcycles uh, in the, or the or the American motorcyclists, and because the, also they do always make it look a bit more glamorous you know they're sort of doing all the motocross and then there's a picture of them and they're all smoking a fag and sort of got sort of draped with sort of um sort of marilyn monroe and everything afterwards you know um whereas over here you've got jeff duke having a mug of tin tea at the end of the whole sort of thing you know <laughs> completely different story but so, so did you get into what was your most first motorcycle you got you, you 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 had then um well i begged and begged my dad um to to get me one of these little um mini bikes because i thought i was not big enough for a big bike. So um, there was this, um, it just shows the power of advertising. When you're 10 years old, you see a photograph of a child-sized motorbike. And uh, so you, I, I, I insisted, I, I, I wanted a bike and that was the one for me. And my dad, very uh, bless him, he actually got me one for passing my 11 plus, which I didn't even know I took it. I mean, I had no idea. You didn't know you'd d- done your 11 plus. So what, you got an 11 year old's bike? 
12-year-old. Yeah, it was called a Honda Mini Trail, which I had until very recently, and then it disappeared from my garage somehow, and I don't know where it's gone. So how did you make the jump from this 12-year-old's, uh, the 11 Plus and the 11 Plus bike that your dad's given you, then, you know, like racing bikes is quite a different thing. You know, if people have never tried racing, uh, I mean, it's absolutely terrifying, in fact. You've got to, like, everything speeds up beyond what you think is fast. And to be a not very good racing driver it takes enormous skills and courage but to be a really great one is a different is a completely different jump again but how did you make the jump from being having an 11 plus bicycle to a motorcycle to then like actually racing the things well my my, <clears throat> my dad can be partly to blame because he he did motocross when he was younger and so after i got this little bike he he got some bigger bikes uh trials bikes actually bull tacos and um so we used to ride around them around the garden in those and then um, sadly, he died when I was 15 and I was kind of, I, I was let loose on the world uh, and I got a moped and my ambitions sort of grew from there. I kind of got this, I got a Pooch Grand Prix, which had magnesium wheels, which is... Very good. I like, I like the two, the, 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 the Pooch, which was the, the sort of watchword for sort of moped and cross coupled with the word Grand Prix. It's a nice sort of, yeah, nice sort of <laughs> Is there such a thing? Is it is there a Pooch Grand Prix? Uh, it was called a Grand Prix, the, the model of the bike. So other people had the Suzuki's and the FS1E's, and I, I thought I'd be clever and get one with disc brakes and stuff. <laughs> so I, I kind of had these ambitions that, that were kindled by that. And then as soon as I could, uh, before I even left school, I went down to Brands Hatch and, and did their racing school, and uh, bike racing school. And... You know, that's I just went off down that road literally and and decided to pursue uh, riding at racing bikes. But that must be if, if, if you must have stood out at the school because, you know, like because uh, the racing lessons you've turned up like they all everybody turns up. But you must have kind of um, been quite a, a, a sort of fast uh, then. They gave me some award. But when because I my dad was famous, I always assumed that anything that anyone anyone showed any attention to me, it's because my dad was famous or something. So I never really kind of took what they were offering. Maybe they meant it sincerely, but they did give me some award, but they got some PR as well because I'd won it and won some award. And I kind of had this in the back of my mind that I've got to somehow shake this stigma off and actually, you know, show that I can really do it and really warrant some uh, some recognition, you know, rather than it just be simply because I'm the, I'm the son of a famous person. So I kind of battled against myself quite a bit in, in early days in sport. What did your dad drive when he wasn't on the track? He was, like all mo most racing drivers, don't drive... Flashy cars. So what did he have? Did he have a light commercial? He, he had a full Granada. <laughs> like commercial. A Granada? <laughs> Brown? <laughs> He had well. He had some sort of link with Ford for a long while. So we had a string of Fords. We had a Ford Zephyr, Ford Zodiac, oh, Ford Console. Yeah. In fact, yeah. So Ford Granada. Granada. My dad had a Granada. That's and my dad actually also had sort of whiskers, and it was very nice. This sort of you know nineteen yeah that sort of style. And uh, it was uh, it was uh, the uh, um, the one in, in um, the the uh, um, the Sweeney. It was one of them. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, exactly. Was, yeah. Yeah. No, that's what my dad. Very good with a, with a vinyl roof. Yeah, yeah. What well, it was, it would have been the, it would have been, it, it would have been the GXL with all the options then. All the options with yeah. the new thing, which was plastic seats. Yeah, Pla was it was it plastic plastic inside? 
fully plastic. Yeah. Yeah, plastic yeah, nice. in it. Nice. Did you have a cassette or an eight track? No, cassette, I think. Yeah. Do you, do you remember what you had on it? We had Elton John. Um, was that your dad? What your dad's favourite was Elton John. I, I I don't know if it was his favourite. I think my dad had kind of curious musical taste. I think he liked musical songs. Did oh, he? Nice. Oh, well, that's no, that's great, isn't it? So, no, but who did he? Who, what musical like ones did he like? Can you remember? Well, it, it was just he used to love singing that song, um, which is actually from a from a, from Pinocchio, isn't it? Hi, diddly d, an actor's life for me. He used to always sing that. <laughs> what, whilst he was driving around in his Granada. <laughs> Hi, diddly d, an actor's life for me. <laughs> Such a great idea. <laughs> he wasn't much of a singer, but he he knew his he knew how to whistle anyway. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For you as a, but not just a world champ, but as a professional driver, if you get in next to, what is the etiquette? If you get in next to somebody who's like just sort of basically frightening the shit out of you, and clearly doesn't know what they're doing. What do we do? Wrestle a steering wheel off them. Hit, hit, yeah, you could, you you have start a fight in the car, and uh, yeah. try and try and get into the footwell where the brake is, or and try and detach them from the controls. Yes, try and get the brake in your teeth. And the key, you can't you can't pull the key out anymore. You know, you used to be able to do to switch it off or something. But don't pull the key out and throw it out the window. Mm. Yeah. So, and, and I love very nice hearing about your da- your dad's um, Granada. What's the first car that you can remember your dad having? I mean, can, can, what I, I suppose what I really mean is, what's the first th- time you remember noticing cars and thinking, "Hey, that's I quite like." That's a you know, sort of recognizing him as a thing of interest. Um, well, I, I have to disappoint you here, Jules. I'm not. I've never really been that uh, knowledgeable about cars. I don't. I mean, I. The cars he had, I think the, the Jag was quite interesting because it made nice noise. I think it was a Mark II Jag. Um, but um, yeah. he didn't have the flash cars. Oh, I'll tell you one, one thing he had was a Lotus Elan, one of the very early Lotus Elan plus twos. He had a silver one because he raced for Lotus. So he, it, that was quite fun. Um, I suppose you got them all free. Do you get free? What's the best free stuff you've ever got, Damon? Um yeah, you can have a lot of free stuff, but there's always a price I've found. <laughs> there's somewhere you have to pay for it. Um, you know, that Tony, Tony Pitts told us, what we'd, we'd like to hear about your free car, but Tony Pitts, the actor, he was in Emmerdale Farm and he persuaded a local um, Seat dealer who was a friend of his uncle's, that if he put him in a, a Seat car, and he was only very young, it would be great publicity for the for Seat and the dealership. So anyway, eventually he said he couldn't believe it, but they agreed. So he got to a dealership and there was the sort of the very base model Seat with no extras, like no heater probably, no uh, uh, te- uh, 
Radio Nothing, and written on the side. What did they have written on the side of the door? Uh, I am Tony Pitts. No, it's this, this, yeah, a Seat yes. supplied for Tony Pitts of Emmerdale Farm by so and so dealer on the side of the. So that was yeah. There's, a, there's no free lunch. See, I'd like that. I'd like. I, I would have that on my the side of my car, sponsored by Refreshers or something, <laughs> something like that. Have you had any of those, Damon? You could pull that off, because I. But I mean, it is. I've I've had that. You know, car. Someone's car dealership splashed down the side of your car, and it's kind of embarrassing because you do stick out a little bit. So um, you tend not tend to. Sh- well, you had, so you had your you had your name on the side of a car when I raced. I did. Yeah. No, no, not not around the not when you <laughs> down your high street. Pulling up outside Radio Rentals in a car that says, I am Damon Hill on the side of it. <laughs> the, right. the world champion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, world champion Damon Hill drives <laughs> a, Renault, a Renault Figaro. <laughs> I can confess this one. I, I, I will confess this one. And I don't know what it says about me, but I hope it com- comes out right. But I did, did, have, did have to go to one of those speed workshops once. And, and the very nice people who do the speed workshops explain... Speed, speed awareness course. Speed awareness, that's it, yeah, speed awareness course. So you're all naughty and you're all sitting in the room and we have explained to us the error of our uh, ways and thinking. And I'm, I'm 100% in supportive of, of what they're doing. But um, we were told, obviously, we don't want, some people here might not want anyone else to know that they've uh, broken the law and are in trouble. So we're going to put name tags, but you can put whatever name you like on the thing and we'll just call you that name, Okay. So I couldn't help it. I put the champ, which was probably a bit cheek. Probably not the right. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. Did anyone but comment? I think they knew that? who I was anyway, because everyone was looking at me. And so I thought, But I went on one of those and it was like an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting because you had to stand up and say your name and how many miles a year you did and and what sort of car you had and everything. And it was really embarrassing. How many miles an hour you went? Yeah, yeah. But actually, what was your... your you convicted for what was your crime you can't ask me that that's it you know that you can't ask people what they were in for (laughs) (laughs) i mean what i mean is were you doing sort of 190 in a 20 mile an hour limit or was it just sort of 75 in a 70 hour limit there was a camera slowing down going into a village but i just was going a bit too fast and there was another there was another one oh oh, oh. there was another one that i got done about three o'clock in the morning in the middle of nowhere which i felt was a little bit hard you know bit hard cheese but um you know you're supposed to stick to the rules so yeah you're a recidivist but uh, there was our, our funny enough when we were touring our um uh we used to have these we got these rental cars and then in the office we got sent a thing through saying that one of the cars had been sort of uh, you know busted for speeding we want to know who it is so we thought oh so we're looking up the first of all i thought well, let's look what day it is and I looked and I looked and checked in my diary and it was it was like an incredibly foggy day and we were going across the from like somewhere like Aberdeen to, to Glasgow or something like that. We had to go through this foggy and I just remember it. And so I thought, so anyway, we worked out who was driving the car and I said to them, I said, but I've just looked in my diary. You said you're like you were clocked at doing 90 miles an hour, but it was like one of the foggiest days of the year. I said, how, what were you doing that speed in the, in the, in the fog? He said, well, it's, I couldn't see the speedo because of all the fog. <laughs> 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 Do you know, my, I, one of the, the first incidents I ever remember in a car was my my dad uh, had a Bond uh, mini car uh, because he I think well, the, the story is the three wheeler yes. yeah it was ridiculous the Bond bug yeah. 
a, no, it was not before. No, before the bug, it was a Bond minicar, and it had a little Villiers engine in the front. And if you wanted to reverse, you had to open the bonnet and turn the engine round. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but he. Uh, yeah, no, no, he I don't believe I don't, that. No, it's true, and I because he was a he was a road racer on motorcycles, and he um, I don't think he ever passed a driving test, so you could he could he was allowed to drive a Bond mini car, and uh, and I, we had a terrible crash in fog on our way to Scarborough. I remember well, I must have been uh, about five. But I remember that, and that was the end of that. But I remember that you had to open the the bonnet and turn the engine around to put it in reverse. Yeah, it's not very. That's uh, pretty, not that very is very eccentric. That's very British, isn't it? Very yeah. kind of yeah, 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 Heath yeah. Robinson. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you also have to do that in Rolls Royces. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Do you think, you know, people said to me, oh, are you from a musical family? I remember being interviewed on the television once. I said, no, not really. Later that day, this was years ago, later that day, my grandmother was still alive. She said, I saw you saying that. She said, she said, I played the piano. Your mother played the piano. Both my sisters played the piano. Your other grandmother. Of course you're from. And I thought, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought. I, no, I hadn't thought. Thanks very much. But did, do you, did you say, but I'm better than all of them? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it didn't seem to be worth mentioning. <laughs> so, so do you think, do, you know, like obviously your father drove. Did you have other, were there other, did you have any other relatives that were sort of... Um, well, my, my, my granddad, my dad's dad, never drove a car in his life. So oh. it's, a, it's a curious thing, you know, where does, where does the talent come from? Mario Andretti was asked, you know, whether he believed in natural racing drives. And he said, well, he never, he'd never seen a baby born holding a steering wheel. You know, it's not how do you determine it's natural? It's not a it's relatively new thing. What did, where were racing drivers before they invented the car? What did they do? That's right. How many medieval racing drivers can you name? Uh, not one at the no. moment. I, I like the story, you know, Sterling Moss, when he was he did his, he used to race, but had a, like a champagne bottle on the passenger seat as he was in the Grand Prix. And um, <laughs> um, uh, uh, who else? I think that was Le Mans. Who what? They did that in Le Mans. In the morning, they did do that. Yeah, they did. They'd have a, uh, yeah, and uh, Barry Sheen had a hole drilled in his helmet so he could have a fag on the grid. Imagine that nowadays. Yeah. What do you? So, yeah, and so you'd be driving around doing the Grand Prix, smoking a fag and drinking out of a can of lager. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I mean, I sold quite a few cigarettes, so shame on me. But it was all the rage in those days. What Rothmans on the side of your. And other brands are also available. Yeah. Did you? I suppose it's yeah. Now the advertising that you get on your car. What was it? It'd be, it's usually fags and drink, isn't it? You wouldn't have Persil on or something. You know? Did you have Persil on there? Would you get that? One, yeah. one of the ones you'll like this one. Um, one of the races I, I had, uh, I won in Japan, and I got sponsorship, and they had the arm of my, the front of my arm, my forearm. And it was a, a penis enlargement clinic in, in Japan. So, <laughs> and I won the race. <laughs> so, so it was, like, was like, I'm on the podium. They're going, can you hold your arm up a bit high? You know, sort of. <laughs> um, but um, so we've had some strange sponsors. I mean, we could have had all the blue nun we wanted uh, at one stage. But no one wanted but it. No one wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, so, do you remember when you were on Shooting Stars? No, you were on back while well, you were on shooting stage. Do you remember when you were on shooting and, and we buried you in a, under a sea of mushrooms? That was fun. That was fantastic. It was very a bit cruel. 
It was cruel. Yeah, very cruel. We put, we gave you, it was a, we gave you a tube. You lay down on the, the bed of mushrooms. Then we covered you completely in mushrooms, and you had to throw crisp bags out from the bar just by feeling them. And then we all turned the lights out and went. <laughs> the whole, the whole studio left. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it was quite. Have you ever been buried in in mushrooms, Vic? No, but, but I, you know, I was quite envious of seeing you they, being buried they, in mushrooms. Were they live mushrooms? No, well, they were real mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking you know, that must have cost quite a bit. Mm. What a massive waste of money! They were all used later on. Damon Hill flavored mushrooms in the canteen at the BBC from that that week. On. <laughs> What's the, what's the worst car you've ever had? Have you ever had a crap car? Oh, too many to name. Go on then. Uh, <laughs> what's the worst car you've ever the had? Worst, worst car I've ever had. Actually, I'll tell you what it was. It was a Ford Zephyr. Mark, like the, but the, from the Zodiac, the last Zodiacs they made, it which was, and they were like an aircraft carrier front to them. But it was the underpowered Ford Zephyr that had a V4 engine in it. And this aircraft car, it was, it was known as one of the worst cars ever made anyway. And we bought Squeeze out a gig somewhere. And I, I said, well, why are we hiring a car? This is mad. My mate's just offered me um, this Ford, Zicky Dobson's just offered me this Ford Zephyr with a big thing for uh, 25 quid. So let's buy that. Good idea. You know, instead of renting these cars. So we buy the Ford Zephyr and we drive and we've got a show in uh, like maybe sort of up north Lancaster University or something like that. We drive up there and an hour from the gig, we sort of just, there's just a bang and then oil comes up the windscreen. We're sort of driving this thing. And that was the end of the engine. But we had to get to the gig. So the, the truck towed us. Well, we had a uh, maybe a full transit van with the gear in it. Towed us to the gig. We played to these students at sort of midnight or whatever, finish, then get back in the car and we're then towed back to London in the car with no heating on a freezing cold night. And then by the time we've got back to London, it's a rush hour in the morning and it's got to drop one person off in Catford, one in Blackheath, one in... Oh, no. And we're in the rush hour in a freezing cold, having been towed all night in this sort of car. And I think that was the worst car the that Zephyr. I ever had. Yeah, Zephyr. And it was, was that a well-known bad car? Oh, the, that, yeah, that, was it the Zephyr? I'm trying to think what it was. The last series of the Zodiac, about 1969 sort of car. That, um, that story, though, you, you, how much did that car cost you? 25 quid. 25 quid when we got it. Yeah. 25 quid. So why didn't you just buy another car where you were for well, 25 quid? Well, that's, we would have done if we'd have seen one. Or, but, but no, we sort of learned our lesson by then about buying cars. Never buy another car again if this is what it's going to be like. The Beetle died a death. Uh, I went with um, my then, well, then girlfriend, but eventually my wife, um, Georgie, um, to see her mum in Colchester. And, and the Beetle dropped a valve as I turned off the A11. Um, and so I had to dump it by the side of the road. And I spent the weekend going through the local newspapers to buy a car to get back home. And I ended up buying a Cortina um, Mark Three Cortina. Oh, nice. And how was that? That was all right, but it wasn't as charming as the Beetle. No. And I don't think I ever saw the Beetle again. There is a, there's a charm to the Beetle. The worst car, it was a great car, but a bad car. Uh, was I had an Austin Somerset. And uh, it was forever breaking down, and it cost. I think it cost me a thousand pounds to buy. And I, after I'd spent three grand on it, and it still wasn't working, I thought it's doomed. And Omnibus were making a, um, a documentary about Bob and me, and they wanted something to do. And I said, "Well, I'm going to bury that car." So I got a digger and dug a hole in the uh, field outside my house, which 
there's now Paul O'Grady's house, but in that field at the back, uh, I dug a hole and put the Austin Somerset in it and filled it in. So I buried the car. It's like an artwork. Have you ever been back to visit it? Uh, no, apparently Paul O'Grady, who bought the house off me, has completely covered because it was a kind of people would be crossing the field. It was a big field. People had come there to have a look at it, and he got sick of that, so he covered it in. So it's now detectable only by radar or an, uh, yeah, advanced search and heat equipment but also presumably if you try to now plant a magical wood above there nothing will grow there and, and in years to come there'll be other legends why nothing will grow in this place and the birds won't sing yeah. but actually it's just because you've buried a Austin Somerset underneath yeah <laughs> Jules what do you and your ruthless gang of Ted's dine on Tyne brand mixed grill Yeah, out of interest, what any other? Because it is trans. We're, we're, it's a tribute to transport. Our show is your what you know motoring. But you'll be your professional uh, world champ and all that. But if you were using other methods of transport, uh, boats, trains, planes, what what other bicycles? What other sort of things do you like? I've, I've, I pretty much. I must have done most things. But um, I've had a go with this jet flying. You know this flying man who's got this jet pack thing. You've tried one of those. A jet pack. Yeah, he's got, he's got one goes on your back. Yes. And it's got a jet engine. And then you've got two on your arm, two jets on each arm. And you kind of control yourself. But have you, try, have you, have you tried it? I have tried it, yeah. Wow. I don't, do you know anybody else ever? No. Have you, I've never met anybody who's actually like, tried a jetpack. And I don't know if I can say I'm jealous because I'd be terrified. You know, how high do you get? About six inches. Well, that's all, <laughs> I'm no, all right but, with that. But, but no, but hang on a second. You're still in British airspace. Doesn't matter if it's six inches or six thousand feet. Once you left the ground, that's it. Did you? Yeah. Have a, did you oh, have really? To have a license? You have to have a license. Around? I didn't have a license. No, but I was. I was suspended. There was a cable that connected me just in case I uh, it went out of control. Oh, so you were on a Kirby wire. Yeah. So you sure it was? Were you sure it wasn't just the Kirby wire that was lifting you up? <laughs> <laughs> And then he said, yeah, look, you can buy the jetpack. It's, 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 it's 50,000. This story's really starting to sound very dodgy now. <laughs> yeah. You were just on a, you were in a circus on a Kirby way, weren't you? And someone, someone had put a shoebox on your back and said it was a jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> it's not entirely clear that I was really flying. Where did you, where did you try? I have to say, you're the first person we've had on that's, 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 that's done a jetpack. That really is uh, impressive. Where did you, where did you go? I, I think I probably had my, probably had my time jet flying i mean it is a wonderful it's really fantastic once it's once it starts to lift you off the ground but it's terrifying because you have got like i said on each arm you've got these massive creme brulee burners you know and if you're not careful you can point them at your leg or something yeah. they're, they're terrifying i saw a, i saw a documentary about this recently and and the the, the fellow who designed it the 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 uh the heat that came out of the back of the packs had heated up the the ground and he couldn't actually stand on the ground because it was so hot because it was too hot but the other thing somebody came up with some years ago which was unfortunately never fully developed because i would have bought one of these it was about 20 years ago and they were and it was a fellow that had worked out how you got little um uh airships like miniature like almost like a barrage balloon 
um, attached to, but like the size of a room or the size of a garage, a single lock-up garage, that sort of a size, that would have supported you. And it had a bicycle type of contraption on the attached to the bottom of it, and then and then and then a, 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 a sort of a, a propeller at the back, all very lightweight. And then you pedaled the bicycle. You sort of so it would basically you flew along, pedaling yourself along with this propeller, and then this bicycle, and you just pedal around on these 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 things and uh, i would have bought one of those but that again you were going to be in, in, in once you entered british airspace once you left the ground so there was a a, a whole licensing issue that went on with them Does so that include hovercrafts what you say well, you've kind of left the ground on a hovercraft aren't you so is that is it a is it a, a land or an air-based vehicle the hovercraft there's something to think about <laughs> yes <laughs> nobody's gonna though nobody's gonna think about that you might be right. I think maybe uh, technically, I think you are right that it's left. It's left the ground and it's in air, but it's not going to go very high. I mean, this guy, this guy who flies a jetpack, he gets you know he gets a good twenty, thirty feet up and and just flies through through the trees and stuff. Last question would be: Is out of interest? You know, you've ha- you driven the fastest cars in the world have you got is there a dream car what's left? the slowest car yes, yes, one one what's the slowest car you've ever driven apart from the volkswagen have you got a dream car left that's what i want to know alan partridge that's an alan partridge joke that one because he interviews the french um the france's second best racing driver do you remember that do you remember no, that sketch he did and and he says that was a question. What's the fastest car ever driven? What's the slowest car? Ever oh, is it? It's been done. Oh, well, I've raised that. Yeah, then. exactly. Yeah. Oh, but, I thought I was being but, unique but, yeah, anyway. once again. But, Sorry, what, Steve. Steve Coon beat you to that one. But what's what's the what's the what? So, any dream cars left that you'd like to sort of get to put in that garage there? Yeah, I've been looking. Um, it's um, <clears throat> it's a difficult thing. To, uh, they haven't quite made the car yet, have they? They're kind of we're like we're in this middle area where the range thing isn't quite there but and also there's the carbon footprint of the new car so you, it's a massive carbon footprint to buy a car so i i will go electric eventually i think we're all going to go that way aren't we so um, yeah but that, what i meant was there's nothing like oh you always dreamed of having you know a sort of a, a, a 1930s mercedes racing car or a um uh, an austin a35 pickup truck or something like that you know something you've always wanted to have might you might never get it but just something you've always dreamed of i i have always kind of liked the americana i like the sort of dodge chargers and stuff i wouldn't mind you know something that's a a stylish car of its era but you know, it's bound to be a gas guzzler, isn't it? But, um, you know, if you don't drive it all the time, I'm sure it'd be fine. But um, Dodge Dodge Charger or something like that. Or... Well, you can get one of them. If you shout loud enough, you might get one with a bit knocked off. <laughs> Which bit? <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, I, I hope uh, I've managed to answer all your questions I think you've correctly. Uh, correctly, yes. Completed our survey. <laughs> yes, it was thank a great you. Great success. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Well, there goes Damon Hill, the world champion motor racer, going off on uh, his jetpack and uh, travelling all the way home at six inches above the ground. Do you, did you, you could say, I've, he's a marvellous fellow, Damon, and I, I wouldn't have a word said against him, but do you think it was true that what he was saying about the jetpack? No, I think he's <laughs> been conned. I think someone has put him on a Kirby wire and said there's a jetpack. 
and uh, so we should we, we've got to save him i don't want him scammed like that someone's trying to dupe someone's trying to sell him a jetpack aren't they whereas really what it is is a shoe box I think with a couple of toilet rolls off the and, and then the back somebody else wires you up when you're not looking i think the thing what we've got to just warn some of the listeners to this if somebody if you get a cold call and you know, somebody at your door saying do you want a jetpack yeah make sure they're an authorized yeah. agent and it'll be very like that hovercraft that you bought that turned out to be a wheelbarrow <laughs> Got a motoring related song there? I most certainly have. My old man says, Follow the vein and don't dilly dally on the way. Off went the vein with me own pegs in it. I will be on with me old cup linen. But I delayed and delayed, delayed and delayed, lost me way and don't know where to love. And you can't trust a special like an old time couple when you can't find your way home. Ta-da. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.